Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Genuinely Interested Podcast. My name is Roy Bensvi, and I'm your host. And this week we have Chad Sarno, who is co-founder of Wicked Healthy and also the co-founder of The Good Catch, which I personally bought a few weeks ago, and it was delicious. I put it in my salad, and it was absolutely delicious. And essentially what The Good Catch is, is it's an alternative to seafood. It tastes the same. It is just as delicious, just as nutritious, but it's not made from fish. It's made from plants, which is a theme throughout this show. People who are driving change like Chad and like a few other um, guests I've had on. So guys, you should go out and try it. Uh, I think he said there's a, a new line of frozen products that are coming out soon and definitely be sure to check those out. I'll also put a link in the show notes so you can easily go to to their website, to their channels, and just try all the great recipes they have and buy the great food that they offer. Chad was also the global R&D chef at Whole Foods. Him and his brother have a cookbook together, uh, Wicked Healthy. And he's been on many different talk shows, cooking up plants, uh, making it look delicious and nutritious. And so the accolades speak for themselves. He's been around for a while, driving change. And, you know, I appreciate people like him. I had a great time on the podcast talking to him. One thing I wish we could have got into it a little bit more was mushrooms. I personally love mushrooms. And the more I'm experimenting with them, the more flavor I seem to find. And and they have this unbelievable method where you press the mushrooms and there's just so much flavor that comes out of it when you do it in that way. And then when you had the, the, the salt, the pepper, herb, spices, it's just unbelievable how good it is. If you don't believe me, check out their channel, see how they do it. You know, you can try it for yourself. It's just, it's a complete game changer. So that's something I would have wanted to touch on a little bit more, but we were short for time. Unfortunately, we did say that we might do it again in the future. And I'll definitely try to make that happen, get all the updates on uh, the good catch and all the stuff that they're doing. It's hard enough running one company, but when you're running multiple companies and YouTube channels and creating content and coming up with new stuff, it's uh, it's time consuming. and having two kids. I'm assuming I personally don't have kids, but I hear they're a handful. So good for Chad for, you know, keeping up with all this. Uh, all these are passion projects for them, for him and his brother. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure they'll keep doing it and keep improving and keep coming up with more amazing products until hopefully we can either substantially reduce the consumption of uh, seafood or uh, eliminate it altogether. I know that's a uh, lofty goal, but we got to have big goals, right? Otherwise, what's the point? So again, for this podcast, guys, subscribe, rate, review. I try to be as consistent as possible, putting out an episode to two episodes each week. And yeah, we're seeing the podcast grow gradually and organically. I haven't really put any uh, time, effort, or money into marketing this. So if you can share it with your friends, that's awesome. If you feel like this really gives you some added benefit, listening to these amazing people talk about different topics, I really appreciate it. And yeah, here is this week's guest, Chad Sarno. The Genuinely Interested Podcast. Hey, Chad, how are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, no worries, man. I've uh, I've been wanting to to have you on for a while. I've, I follow your channel and I I uh, salivate at each and every video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on on YouTube, we've been uh, we've been really pumping out a lot of content uh, over the past, I'd say, year and a half. So, yeah, man, I've uh, I've actually been you know I've been trying your methods. I, I always feel like I just. I'm never on par with the videos. It just it never comes out as nice or like like you know you know the the, the people who who 
have these cooking shows. Everything's always very like laid out beautifully in the amount and everything. And you have the expertise, obviously. And then when I do it, it's like, not quite, but <laughs> it's, it's 50%, I would say. But the inspiration is there, right? So exactly, that's the most exactly. important. Thing. It's almost like I can smell it through the through the screen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, that looks good. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if you saw that. I don't know if you saw that brisket one that we did a seitan brisket, and the uh, yeah, that was that was pretty dope in terms of the the smells that were coming off of that with the barbecue sauce and thrown on the grill, and so good, so good. I've been saying it for years, like someone needs to figure out an app or or some technology that can <laughs> smell vision. Smell exactly. Smell through a screen, man. That'll be a game changer. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, uh, completely different experience. So yeah, maybe uh, tell us a little bit, you know, by yourself, uh, your background. How did you get into to cooking, and and how long you've been doing it? Yeah, well, that's it's definitely a a big long story. I'll kind of try to yeah, uh, shorten it, shorten it a little bit. But I am, um, yeah, my background is uh, is I've been a plant based chef for twenty plus years. I uh, got into really made that connection between food and health through um, my own personal journey. I had a, I had really bad asthma growing up, so I stopped eating dairy products at a young age, and that was directly linked to my asthma. And so that opened my eyes between the connection of health and, and food, and the you know the foods that we consume. So that um, that really really sparked my interest more than anything. Um, and you know, and I think. Anybody that's going to live through any kind of health issues or get pushed up against a wall like that, it, it, it really just drives that passion a lot for them. So so that was my interest. That's what sparked the initial passion. And then I started digging deeper and uh, got into animal rights at a young age. And, um, you know, I've been a, an activist my whole life. Um, and, you know, there was just something, there was that connection of, uh, you know, I was raised with the standard American diet. I wasn't raised with too much awareness around food besides, you know, eating some garden veggies every now and then, but that connection between health and then looking at, you know, the, the more I looked into it and the deeper I got, I, you know, um, it just ethically didn't seem right to me that we were consuming animals and animal products and, um, you know, exploiting, um, along the way. And so that, that I really dove into my activism side for a number of years, uh, got into raw food for many years after that. Um, uh, and then, you know, kind of teaching myself along the way, also worked with a number of great chefs and teachers along the way, uh, started open restaurants at a young age. Um, and because it was such a niche, uh, area, I was opening restaurants and consulting. So people would hire me to restaurateurs, um, would hire me to come into their existing restaurant and help them add vegan items or, you know, healthier items on their menu, um, that were plant-based at the time. And then, or people that wanted that had that um sort of spark of inspiration around plant-based wanted to open a restaurant and i would help them open the restaurant and you know move forward after that let them operate it so it was um i did that for a number of years uh found myself over europe uh, over in europe i opened up a number of restaurants over in europe and turkey germany london um in serbia had a had a few restaurants over there um and then um Came back to the States, joined, uh, you know, this was fast forwarding probably 10 years from when I started plant-based. Uh, came back to the States. I was over in Europe for about five years. Came back to the States and joined Whole Foods Market um, uh, as the the, uh, the uh, global coordinator of health and wellness. And, you know, basically led their scientific medical advisory board and helped leadership team uh, implement the seventh core value, which was all about healthy eating. And uh, we started this program called Health Starts Here uh, with uh, with the leadership over there. And so, you know, started working on that and worked with a number of great doctors, implemented some really great corporate wellness programs. So really jumped from really jumped from restaurants and R&D to person and personal chefing. I was personal chef also during the, that time of restaurants. And, and then I got into corporate wellness. So um, it was it was a big jump and definitely a, a lot of unknowns there when I jumped in. Uh, but really forced myself to 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 understand a little bit more broadly around healthy eating and how to cook with less oils, how to cook with uh, you know less sodium, less sugar, all those kind of added things. Um, um, and so you know we were uh, ended up uh, my my brother Derek came on uh, around that time to Whole Foods. Um, by that time, I had transitioned from the global health coordinator to R and D chef, um, for the health eating program. And so I did a lot of the trainings with, uh, with the stores and with the regions and public facing recipes and website recipes. Um, Derek came on my brother and he 
he came on as basically the 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 global exec chef, uh, and so he worked with prepared foods. I worked with the front of the house, so we would go and do trainings together in the regions. People people couldn't stand us because here we are two two new people who uh, with the company that were hired during a hiring freeze, uh, implementing a, trying to implement a program that um, was a new program. So. Um, uh, driven by leadership. So we would go to the regions and it was like, Oh shit, the Sarno boys are coming. Um, but anyways, it was, it was a lot of fun for many years. Uh, got some great, great relationships out of that and great experience. And so I was there for about, uh, four and a half years. Derek stayed on for about a year after I left. Uh, I left, uh, I did all the media. I was a media, media spokesperson, uh, for the company, uh, as well for all of the health eating programs and initiatives that they launched. Um, uh, left Whole Foods Market, joined uh, an online culinary school uh, called Ruby, uh, and and helped launch their plant-based certification program. So it's a six-month course, six-month course online. Also, with my experience with the healthy eating program, it was along the lines with the same dietary plan as Forks Over Knives. So also launched the online Forks Over Knives course, uh, cooking course for them uh, during that time on the Ruby platform, um, and sort of backpedaling when Derek and I were at uh, Whole Foods Market, we started this idea uh, around Wicked Healthy and we started a blog and, and it was really the, it was the product of working with a number of doctors uh, at Whole Foods Market that were very strict. I mean, very, you know, uh, you know, no oil diet, no low sodium kind of thing. And, and, you know, working with that diet to implement it, uh, 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 to customers and to other team members at the company, um, you know, and we were finding our own challenges with that because at the end of the day, people eat with their eyes. They, they, they judge a diet by how it tastes. Basically, if a, if a diet tastes like shit, then they're not gonna, uh, they're not gonna, uh, be able to sustain it. So we were working with a lot of public facing folks with, with team members and customers and their feedback was, it's got to taste better, you know, and how can we make this taste better? And so we started a blog called Wicked Healthy that was basically 80% healthy, 20% wicked is our philosophy. And, you know, that there is leeway if you're not in a dire situation with your health, there's leeway to, you know, create that balance for yourself. And that 80-20 rule sort of worked for us and our um, our focus. So so that was the blog at the time. Um, so fast forward, uh, I'm working at a culinary school, online culinary school, implemented the programs. Derek. Uh, was still at Whole Foods, um, and then um, and then around the time that I was leaving Ruby, I was there for a couple of years. So I guess Derek was at Whole Foods probably two years longer than I was. Um, uh, we were still working on Wicked Healthy and pumping out videos and and um, you know doing a lot of content. We started writing a book, the Wicked Healthy Cookbook, at the time. Um, and then at the time, we knew that we wanted to do more. Um, this is right around the time of my son being born. Um, he's three now, uh, almost four. Um, and, uh, and so we, we basically, uh, knew that we wanted to do more. And so uh, during that time, Tesco had reached out to Derek and which is the larger, third largest retailer, um, globally. And they reached out out of the UK and they asked to, uh, you know, that they were very interested in the Wicked Healthy brand. So, um, so, you know, discussions started progressing. And at that time that Derek was having discussions with Tesco, we were also, seeding the idea around um around um you know uh, a plant-based seafood company called good catch which is now uh, where my i reside mostly um and so these things were happening simultaneously so tesco was reaching out to derek uh, i was starting to talk to a number of investors around this concept here in the states and our goal with it was you know he left whole foods and i was starting to you know venture out of ruby uh, as we, we just wanted to work on more impact projects, you know, we felt our work, um, you know, we're both activists at heart and, you know, I've been an activist for many years, as I mentioned, and just wanted to work on a project that had a greater impact, uh, with, with my mission, um, um, through, through culinary, of course. And, and so we, you know, so the, they came at these opportunities came at the, the same time and at the perfect time. And so we continued discussions around with Tesco. Derek ended up moving to the UK and launching the Wicked Kitchen range. Uh, it was a Wicked Kitchen is uh, uh, it's from it's Wicked Healthy is our company. Wicked Kitchen is the range over in Tesco. And so Derek went on as the the um, uh, global uh, 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 chef of plant based innovation uh, over at Tesco, and to also um, you know launch the Wicked Kitchen range. So. 
Um, so now we have Wicked Kitchen. We have the launch of Good Catch. So fast forward now, um, you know, it's four years almost. Um, we have launched, uh, so we have 73 products with Wicked Kitchen in Tesco in uh, over 1,600 stores. We jump from two to um, eight different categories. Uh, we jump from 20 to 73 products in 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 two and a half years, um, and we've done about f- a little over 55 million in sales um, with the company dollars uh, in sales. The company ha- uh, Tesco has done that in sales for for the Wicked Kitchen line, which is incredible. So, and on the Good Catch side, we have um, we just closed our Series B at 36 million uh, last year. Um, and we just opened up our plant in Ohio, in Heath, Ohio, that we're just starting to produce our own product. And it's basically plant-based seafood is the main focus. Um, that's what Good Catch is all about, seafood without sacrifice. And so we've created a product that uh, emulates the same experience that people would have with fine seafood, you know, without, uh, without the, uh, uh, you know, all the, all the, you know, the bycatch and the, the overfishing and the, you know, the mercury and all of that not included. So, um, so we open up our plant, uh, it's just opened his doors. We just shipped out our first pallet about two weeks ago, which is incredible of our frozen product. Uh, we've been on the shelf, uh, uh, for about a year and a half. We have three products. We have tuna and water, tuna and oil, and, uh, in the Mediterranean, they're shelf stable, you know, plant-based tunas, um, which I'll grab a packet. No, this is not video, but I'll, I can grab a packet and show you. So you see them. Um, oh, no, and I, then, had, I had all three of them. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, th- so th- we launched those really to gain, just to get some shelf space really. Um, and to build the brand, um, our real here, our real heroes are, are, our frozen line that's just launching this month, which is really, really exciting. So, um, so we have, uh, we have a fish burger, we have crab cake and we have a Thai fish cake and those are going to be in the frozen seafood area. And those are basically launching at the end of this month on the East coast. So you'll be the one of the first ones to try them, I'm sure. And on, in your, in your hood. So, um, by the end of this month, so check out some, I can pass you on a list of stores where they're going to be at. And then by the end of the summer, they should be pretty much uh, national rollout. So, um, so yeah, that's, uh, it's been very exciting. And we've, uh, during this time with good catch, we have, um, partnered up with some incredible strategic investors and also partnerships. We've partnered up with Bumblebee, um, as their distribution partner and, you know, they're in most households in America. Um, they've been a, leg- a legacy sort of anchor brand for many, many years. They've gone through a number of challenges over the years, but, um, coming to the surface and, and, uh, you know, um, you know, really focused on sustainability and part of their program is that they've partnered up with good catch. Um, and they're, uh, uh, an ocean, more ocean focused, uh, food rather than just, uh, fish. So, which is amazing. So, and we can say that we have that ocean focus, um, because we use uh, algae seaweed and algae extracts in our products still. So, um, our product is, uh, a proprietary blend of six different legumes. So it's not just pea protein. It's not just soy. It's, um, you know, includes pea, includes soy, but also chickpea, navy bean, fava bean, and, um, and lentil. Um, so that's the six different legumes. And we've been able to create it to sort of mimic the texture and, and flakiness um, of, of a flaked fish product. So when you actually, when we launch our food service product, it'll be a, a seasoned flake product, which you can use in cooking applications and it hydrates and it, it's incredible, just like a, like a, a cooked white fish. Um, and same thing with our, we use the same protein in our frozen products, which is the, the fish burger, as I mentioned, the crab cake and the pie cake. So so that that brings us to today and uh yeah it's it's been a busy few years that's for sure and um when we started this uh good catch in and uh wiki kitchen i had mentioned i had a little boy and then this past january i had my my other little boy join us um <laughs> thank you and we have uh we have so we have a, a full crew here <laughs> so uh but yeah it's uh it's it's been very exciting and and probably the most exciting part of, uh, of all of it is the impact, you know, and that's what drives us. And that's what gets me up in the morning. That's what keeps me going every day is, um, is not so much the amount of people that we're feeding. Cause I think that that's fantastic just to provide, you know, um, you know, nurturing food, but, um, nourishing food, but, uh, the impact that we're having on the planet in terms of these product lines. And if you look at, you know, over 15 million units sold within wicked kitchen that's you know 15 million meals that didn't include animal products which is very exciting and it's same thing with our our uh with good catch i mean if we you know 
you know, for every pound of product that we create is, is a pound of fish not consumed. And that's, that's, what's really exciting for us, you know? So it's a, it's, it's an honor to work with some, so many great people and great teams. So. It's, it's even more, it's another five pounds of, of bycatch that's not getting yeah. caught. Well, isn't that, cra- isn't that, cra- isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's crazy. The way, the waste that's in the seafood industry. I mean, it's, it's such a, it's, it really is. I mean, the, the commercial fishing industry is, it's very uh, destructive, you know, and recently there was just a off, off your coast, there was just a, uh, the sanctuary was just lifted off the coast of new England, uh, which is one of the largest sanctuaries in the Atlantic that's been protected for many, many years and our wonderful administration just lifted it. So commercial fishing can be, Oh yeah, they also uh, they also there. lifted a ban. Uh, what was this? I saw yeah, on, on, on 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 bear cubs, if I'm not on, mistaken. So you didn't. So all right, we're not going to get too political here. No, but, no, no. Uh, but I'm gonna. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know if. It, you know, it's bad enough all of the uh, the appalling things that are happening with this administration, in my personal opinion. But to lifting a ban on killing baby animals like that's that's like darkest of dark. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you can't stoop any lower than that. I mean, well, first it's they, they can, well, you yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it Don't give them any I, challenges. I, right? I, take, I take that back. I mean, <laughs> separating families and putting them in cages and you know, and then you know, killing bear cubs and animal cubs up in Alaska, that ban. And then also the other one that just got lifted was the uh, migratory path of birds where billions of birds will now be, you know, killed over the year, over the coming years. And, you know, all birds have this migratory path and um, it's always been uh, a law that you couldn't build certain factories and size factories on that migratory path. And that just, that policy just changed. So that just got lifted. So, well, even for the, uh, when they were talking about building the wall, that like a lot of animals migrate between that that border of, of uh, you know mm-hmm. all, the, all the southern states and Mexico, and that they just use that as uh, so. If if you were to essentially build that wall, you would essentially be killing all those animals because they could migrate south and and, and north. It's but, crazy. It's yeah. crazy. And, uh, and, and anyways, yeah. So it's uh, yeah, it's a interesting time that we all need to vote. Is all I gotta say. So yeah, I'm with you. Um, but I want to I want to just because there's a lot to unpack with with everything you said. Um, let me. See. So basically, let's go back a little bit. You essentially you went to Europe prior to, you know, what what year is this actually? Like what, I what was in Europe. Yeah, I was in Europe. I moved over there in five, 2005, maybe. Okay. Yeah, so 2005 to 2009, I moved. It wasn't really a uh, wasn't really a plant based scene at the time, right? This no, there wasn't. Certainly wasn't. We opened the first vegan restaurant in London, um, which was amazing, um, called Saf uh, S A F, um, and that was the first one. I mean, there was a like a, a vegan deli or two, but it was an, it was the first like proper course menu vegan restaurant that we opened up there, um, and that was. I mean, it was ahead of it. It was ahead of its time, and it was it was certainly we were slamming packed, and it was you know, jamming, we had a, you know, a couple week wait for reservations and, um, you know, and, and it was just, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was pretty incredible one because it was a very niche thing, you know, um, and it was high raw too. So it was, you know, probably 50 to 75% raw menu. Um, and that was the focus of most of the restaurants and, you know, Istanbul, it was the first vegan restaurant that was open in Istanbul. Um, and then in Munich we had, uh, um, I think it may have been one of the first in 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 Munich as well. So we were in Marienplatz, uh, which I don't know if you know Munich, but beautiful part of the city. Yeah. Uh, um, right near, right. It was right around the corner from the Hofbrauhaus. House. So we uh, we 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 opened up there. We opened up London, and we had uh, Turkey going. And so there was six restaurants. We opened up six restaurants in three countries in three years, and it was just in absolute insanity because they were all jamming. You know, they were all packed. And and to be honest, I. I, I look back now and I'm like, I had no idea what I was doing. I was, I was trying my best and, and it, it uh, you know, I, I did it now, you know, it, it, they were successful for how long they lasted. And then I uh, ended up leaving that company and, and walked away and came over back, back to the States. It was kind of my passport back, come back from uh, uh, to join Whole Foods Market. And um, within probably two years, uh, all the restaurants that had closed, uh, closed. So wow. um, over in Europe. So, uh, but yeah, everything. yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, and then when you joined, I mean, A, that takes a lot of balls going over to Europe and, and you know, Turkey and, and Germany, all these countries and starting something 
that doesn't really exist. It's not like you're going and open on a shawarma stand. You know what I mean? Like that. Yeah, exactly. Different. It, to start something that doesn't exist in a foreign country, that takes some balls. So that's, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, well, we had some great investors behind us and, you know, operational partners in each country that certainly knew the area. So I was, uh, I was quite blinded going in, but had some good support. That's awesome. And then when you reached Whole Foods, I mean, you didn't mention this, but you essentially wrote or co-wrote the, the, the cookbook that Whole Foods put out. And you worked with yep. John Mackey, who was the, one, of the, one of the founders of Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. How, how did yep. that relationship start? Yeah, so he, he was the one that actually hired us on. Um, well, he hired me on to help him um, initiate this, uh, the new core value. They're, all, they're built on core values. And so, um, you know, the seventh core value was around healthy eating education. So they want, he wanted to develop a team and programs under healthy eating education. So he wanted to do a number of programs internally with the company and sort of, you know, create these ambassadors of healthy eating internally with the company for the first year to two years before rolling it out to the public. And so we did that. We launched a number of programs. One of them was uh, the, the uh, immersion programs, which is still quite successful. Um, well, in the COVID world, it's kind of put to a halt, but, um, pre COVID it was, uh, it was doing really well. They're still doing them every year. And, uh, so it was basically partnered up with four different physicians and launching, uh, four different nutrition programs offered to team members. So, um, you would have to, you would have to apply and you would qualify based on, uh, certain health biometrics um, and health screening was free for every team member at, at Whole Foods. And based on your health screening, you would get a level of discount higher. Um, so based on, um, you know, your total cholesterol, your blood pressure, your BMI, uh, and based on those, they hit certain thresholds so that you could get a higher discount card. So everybody gets 20% off and you could get up to 30% based on your, your, your health, which is amazing. So, and if you didn't, if you didn't qualify, there was an opportunity to go to one of these, um, uh, health immersion programs that the company fully paid for. So, um, and there were four different doctors. One of them was McDougal. The other one was, uh, Esselstyn, uh, and Rip, uh, also engine two. Uh, the other, the other one was, uh, Dr. Furman and the other one was Dr. Stoll. And so there are four different parts of the country and Whole Foods would pay for team members to fly in and go to these week long programs. And I help coordinate all those programs and sort of launch that, uh, that uh, initial um, immersion concept within Whole Foods. And then I continue to support them with, uh, with all the menus and culinary education um, at those programs. So, so team members will come back and they would, you know, be inspired around this, you know, certain philosophy around healthy eating. And then we would have a number of programs in store uh, and, you know, uh, options within store that they could sustain it. So it was interesting. It was definitely, you know, there's some things that should have probably shifted a little bit but for what it was it was it was pretty exciting and it definitely i think instilled a lot of um a lot of um uh health and wellness ambassadors within the company that's we launched the i would say the most successful part aside from you know i think changing thousands of lives uh with with uh the immersion programs i i think the best part was uh within prepared foods of of um pre before that time you couldn't go to the salad bar and get just plain beans or plain grains or anything like that. It was just a salad bar, you know? So, um, so just launching just those simple additions, uh, company wide that you can go and just get a bowl of brown rice, you know, at the, and then have it with your salad and, you know, plain tofu or plain beans or whatever, and then dress it up however you want. And then there was always a condiment bar at the end of the bar. And that's fairly new, all of that. So, um, so that's still around today, today. And same thing with, uh, the hundreds of recipes that we did at the time. So, yeah, you, you know, essentially uh, initially when I, um, when I saw wicked healthy, I thought it was a British uh, company because uh, Wicked, you know, it's either Canadians or maybe people in like Massachusetts, but the rest of the country doesn't really use Wicked. So that's what I thought initially. How, how did you guys come up with the name? Yeah, well, we're both from uh, New Hampshire. So oh, okay. uh, we, we grew up in Port- Portsmouth, New Hampshire, outside of Portsmouth, uh, Hampton, Portsmouth, New Hampshire. So, uh, so yeah, Wicked is just a slang term, as you know, being from New England. So, uh, and that's why I feel Tesco resonated with the brand a lot because it's, it's definitely over in England, uh, also used in the same, same, uh, same way. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's just amazing how it works over in, in London just as well as it does in New England, but we have to explain it to, to folks yeah. <laughs> of, uh, you know, we had to explain it, that it's not, it doesn't mean bad. It's just yeah. emphasizing healthy, you know? Oh, so. wicked is, yeah. Wicked is great. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know why I didn't catch on the rest of the country, but I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it, I mean, it, it's, you know, it's a great uh, descriptor. So. So let's talk a little bit about um, Good Catch. Um, yeah. When did you guys, or like maybe not when, but how long did it take you to formulate the the the, the recipe for Good Catch? Yeah, so we ended. I would say that we were working on the product for a good two and a half years, two and a half to three years before we actually launched. So, um, so we were we were pretty lucky at first, as we we had some good partnerships and and um, you know worked on it for quite a while um, with uh, with a number of extrusion experts and company R and D companies that we worked with, um, and then um, and then we were very fortunate to bring on certain folks on the team. Well, our whole team is incredible, but um, in particular, Joel Gefeller, he's, uh, he's just an absolute rock star. He's, uh, he's prior to us grabbing him at good catch. He was the, the lead over lead R and D over at um, Gardein. So he and his team developed all the products for Gardein. Um, and when Gardein was uh, acquired, um, they, they basically, um, the acquiring company basically um, got rid of the R and D team. Basically, he stayed on with them for a little while, and so when his contract was up, we grabbed him. So uh, we're very fortunate to have him. And we've, you know, good, uh, good catch is basically set up. We have uh, it's Gathered Foods. That's our company. That's a parent company. Good catch is one of the brands under Gathered. We intend on launching other brands under Gathered, um, but um, also under Gathered Foods is uh, is uh, Cultivated Food Labs. Um, which is based out of Vancouver, and that's where Joel and his team sit. So we've kind of separated out our R&D team. Um, and the reason for that is for them to really be tasked with creating an, uh, a Rolodex of IP so that we can create and either license out to other companies or investors or partnerships or uh, launch other brands. So we have an a incredible team when it comes to R&D and food science um, that we're so thrilled to have. And um you know, paired with the leadership team in general, it's uh, uh, and our factory, we're able to, um, you know, make some serious movements over the coming coming years, which is exciting. So, yeah, you you mentioned that you raised a Series B. Is that with uh, Bruce Friedrich's VC? Um, yeah. So we uh, so Chris Kerr has been uh, he's been with New Crop Capital for uh, many years, um, and so he was our. Uh, it, it, he's one of my closest friends, also. So we we ended up starting the company as co-founders and. Um, and so new crop was the seed money initially, uh, new crop capital. Um, and, um, yeah, so they, that fund, uh, was our seed money and they're the ones who gathered all of our impact investors. So for series a, uh, we ended up raising, um, um, was all focused on impact investors. So all activist investors really. Um, and then series B, which we just closed, um, that's when we had a couple strategic. So we had 301, which is General Mills come in. Um, uh, Series A, we did have PHW. PHW is based out of Germany. They're the largest poultry company uh, out of Germany as a strategic. But um, in Series B, we have um, we had uh, General Mills come in. We also had Greenleaf come in, which is very exciting. Um, and SBI, which is out of Japan. Um, they own House Foods. I don't know if you know House Foods, but House Foods has like it's like the largest tofu company in the states that you can see. Oh really? Um, yeah. So they uh, and they have you know a couple thousand restaurants, curry houses, and stuff like that over in Japan. But um, yeah, so they're a big investment firm over there and distribution company. So we we have a couple of strategics, and so uh, Series B being impact driven, um, then uh, being Series A, and then Series B really focused on strategics um, has been really really great for the growth of the company and. You know, we have uh, we have quite a runway, um, and like I said, that it's been mostly to fund our the building of our factory uh, outside of uh, uh, Columbus, Ohio, and we're you know uh, as I mentioned, as of maybe three weeks ago, we've been we turned we turned it on, which is exciting. So that's amazing, man. I mean, we're seeing huge innovation right now with with plant based sector. If it's the more popular ones like uh, the Beyond or the Impossible or Oatly. Or there's just so much innovation coming out, milk from everything you can think of, and all these plant-based burgers that taste almost identical to the real thing. And I mean, this might be the best time to be vegan that it's ever been, right? With without a doubt, without a doubt. I mean, the the bar is set so high that you can't you can't start a company and launch a hockey puck burger anymore. You yeah, know what I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, back in the day, everything was in forms. You know what I mean? And so you got you know, I mean. 
bless those companies that started it and that were really the early the early ones you know boca and guard and gardenberger and uh, you know those kind of uh, companies and they were they were just informers you know and they're just pressed and you know grains and beans and you know some isolates uh <laughs> proteins and that's about it and uh now it's just you know the 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 bar is set so high for everything from ice cream to dairy to um you know che- also cheeses that are coming out and that are on the market currently um um you know and then meats i mean i, I would say that there's there's a lot of room for growth, but it is yeah. one of the gro- largest, fastest growing markets, I would say, uh, globally, is plant-based proteins. And and so we, when we started Good Catch, we, we really saw white space, you know, and that's been, that was the focus is, is really seeing the white space and, um, and, and really looking at what, what category within that white space is going to have the greatest impact. And so we wanted to launch with fin fish uh, being tuna first, because uh, it's the largest uh, consumed globally is, and I would say the most, um, I mean, tuna is not the largest consumed globally, but it's the, I would say it's the most, uh, the most destruction, destructive path when it comes to um, commercial fishing of, of tuna. So um, yeah, so we, we, we really set out to, uh, to, focus on fin fish and so salmon will be next also um in the pipeline so um but it's it's been very exciting and it's it's really uh you know we're we're a disruptor brand um you know that's our that's our goal is to really disrupt what people see as seafood and um and you know with the support and um um you know partnership of bumblebee i mean it's they've just given incredible validation i mean they're they're having their resources behind us and, um, you know, being able to innovate with them and work with their resources in terms of distribution and, you know, has been, has been very exciting, a very exciting partnership to take it yeah. to the next level. So, cause I mean, you're, you're, you're seeing massive companies, meat, meat companies like Tyson and other companies yeah. like, and they're in, even investing in the space. So, I mean, if they're investing in the space, they're seeing, they're not investing because of ethical reasons. They're straight bottom line, monetary. And if they're- Which is amazing. Yeah, so they're seeing the potential. And if they're seeing the potential, that means there's an uptick in consumer demand and consumer purchase of these products, which is, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And it, you'll get some vegans that are, uh, that'll not be so psyched about these large corporations coming into plant based, but it is the oh, best thing right. for, yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's the best thing to, uh, to happen to plant based on a global level and to happen for the animals is, is in order to, and I've been saying this also for, for many years around it, and I've been in full support of these large companies, you know, the Tysons, the PHWs, the Hormels, and, um, you know, uh, Maple Leaf, all these guys coming in, uh, which are the largest animal ag companies globally. And, you know, you have to make change from within. You can't sit there on the sidelines and stand up there with a, with the picket, you know, and picket them, you know, it's, uh, you have to make change from within and it's changing the culture of these companies as well, which is incredible. I mean, just from the partnership around Bumblebee, I mean, there, you know, obviously there's, there's um some work still be done to be done there but the the leadership is so supportive of good catch and so excited about what we're doing and it's the same thing with uh, maple leaf i mean they started their uh, their company greenleaf which they purchased uh, light life and field roast um you know over the past few years and i know they're probably looking at a number of other acquisitions and they uh you know they're they've just created this 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 culture of health and culture of awareness around plant-based and and it does add to their bottom line, but it also shifts the culture, you know, uh, when you start thinking differently around, um, you know, the foods that we consume. So that's been the exciting part of working with these guys. Yeah. I mean, you can only be an idealist for so long. If you want to create, mm-hmm. you have to do it from inside. That's it. That's it. That's what it. do you think about? So I was thinking about this the other day. I feel like, you know, there's this misconceptions about vegan food. And I think that'll start maybe... 20 years ago or, or whatever it was, right? When these type of brands like Boca and others came along and they were just very cardboard-like, didn't have a lot of flavor, it wasn't very tasty, and like all vegans could eat was essentially French fries and, and, and salads and some tofu. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and you know, and, and there was that, there's that stereotypical uh, skinny, vegan, hippie-ish, but now it's a completely different, mm-hmm. completely different story, right? You have 
bodybuilders, you have athletes, you have every person from every walk of life being vegan and thriving on that diet. And the foods are completely different, but there's still that stereotype. There's still that misconception. I think that's going to take another few years till that wears off. Mm-hmm. No, no I, I, yeah, I mean, it is going to take a, a little bit of time. It's definitely wearing off slowly, though, because, you know, at the end of the day, everybody has different lever, levers that, that will be pulled for them to be interested in, in plant-based. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, some people just like good tasting food. You know, they don't give a shit whether it's plants or not plants, you know, and that's the that's the target. That flexitarian is the shopper that we our, our target is with Good Catch because if you look at in the UK, 70% of shoppers are flexitarian. They're looking, they're actively looking for plant-based, plant-based uh, alternatives, really? which is incredible. 70%. Which is crazy. Wow. It's like seventy six or seventy eight percent. So, but it's in the seventies, which is amazing. Um, whereas over here, it's around forty. You know, um, but it's still a huge number. I mean, the shopper is actively looking for um, for plant based alternatives, and they want to diversify their protein. You know, and that's a, at the end of the day, that's all it is: is is the consumer wanting to diversify their protein sources, and and that's what that's what these large companies are listening to. They're listening to consumers, uh, and they're obviously they're driven by the bottom line, but they want to diversify their protein. So this is when when Tyson came out, you know, uh, I think it was about three years ago, the CEO at the time, I don't know if it's the same CEO, came out and said, we are no longer a poultry company, we're a protein company, you know, and Maple Leaf came out and said the same thing. You know, we're a protein company, we're not a, we're not a pork company, you know, um, which is incredible, you know. So And so I think that that shopper is wanting to diversify their protein needs and obviously these large corporations are wanting to meet that demand. So, um but yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, everybody has different levers of why they are drawn to plant-based and, you know, whether it be, um, just, it's a shared stomach situation of, uh, you know, um, of, uh, you know, people wanting to diversify their protein. And so that's what companies are looking at, but also, um, from the health perspective, um, you know, they want to cut back on the cholesterol. They want to, um, you know, on the other side is, uh, is you know animal welfare uh the environment obviously is a huge uh lever that's a big lever with seafood is environmental concern yeah. uh because i think it's uh i think it's pretty common knowledge around mercury now um you know so that's uh you know people speak of microplastics but there's not enough evidence behind that but you know people do speak of that currently uh but obviously the overfishing and um you know it's 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 becoming common knowledge. So those environmental concerns are also driving consumer trends, you know? Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's hopefully that misperception will shift, uh, quite quickly. And we're seeing that it is shifting quickly within, with the consumers. So what, what are your feelings about lab grown meat? Uh, like a company like Memphis meats? Um, see, I, I have, I, I support it. Um, anything that's going to alleviate suffering, um, is, I 110% support, you know, um, will I consume it? Probably. I'll probably try it, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, I'm an ethical vegan. So, um, and I'm proud to call myself an ethical vegan because, you know, I didn't stop eating meat because I don't like to taste meat, you know? And I think that that's what most people think you know i think you know the smell of cooked flesh and all that it's pretty gross right um you know obviously if you get some barbecue sauce and you throw it on a grill that cooking of the sugars and all that that's what you're smelling and that smells good um but um you know most people don't stop eating consuming animals because they don't like the taste of meat this is why these meat replacements and sort of these plant-based proteins that are out there are so popular because with vegans is people you know stopped eating meat because they don't they don't want to consume animals. There's no reason why we should be consuming animals, especially with the abundance of product on the market right now. There are so many alternatives, as you mentioned, and um, that that mimic the entire ex- the, the experience that people are used to with consuming animal products, you know, and uh, without that suffering added, you know, and uh, that those uh, health concerns and health implications. So, okay. yeah, let's. Um... Let's talk a little bit about you and your brother, and then we'll move on to mushrooms because I love <laughs> mushrooms and you guys love mushrooms. So <laughs> I want to talk about that. But you guys essentially, you're both vegan chefs. You work together, and I mean, you're breaking one of the ten crack commandments: is never, never mix family and business. <laughs> so how, how does that work? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been amazing, actually. Derek is uh, is an absolute badass. We we I think it's it's uh, you know it took him a while for me to 
get him to, you know, influence him. I was uh, vegan for quite some time and, and he's the first one to admit that I was just this hippie that he didn't want to listen to back in the day. So, um, no, but it's, it's been incredible. I mean, we both have different strengths and, um, we respect each other's work and we both, we both share the mission and that's, that's really important. I think that if you're going to start a business that, is not impact focused and is not driven by mission, then I can see major complications happening with partnering with family. Uh, but if you're driven by something higher than yourself, you know, um, with a goal that's m- way more than personal goals. Um, I think that that, that helped, that helps a lot. Um, and so, you know, he's an, he's an absolute beast. Um, when it comes to workload and in the kitchen, he's taken, uh, you know, I've been, you know, focused 95% on good catch, um, yeah. with giving Derek some support with wicked kitchen. And he's been 95% on wicked kitchen and vice versa supporting me where I need it with good catch. So, um, and he's, you know, he's taken a product line and launched it in the largest retailer and, you know, he's, he's a badass, you know? Um, and so being able to work together and knowing that we have these two major projects, um, um, you know, I think that that, um, that keeps us both in check and we're able to keep each other in check, you know, because we are focused on the mission. It's not about us. It's not about us as individuals. It's about the, um, you know, the impact that these projects have, you know, and to constantly have that reminder and having a brother do that, you know, um, of just like, you know, smack each other around when you need to. Um, it helps, it helps, you know what I mean? Um, you know, but again, if it was just a regular business that we were running, um, I think it would be probably pretty difficult. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's one of those things I feel like most people can pull it off. It's, the family is always difficult, but when it does work, it's amazing. So, yeah, yeah, it's good for yeah, you guys. Agreed. Um, so, uh, so how are you for time? Are you okay, or do you? Yeah, I'm good. I got about five more minutes, if that's cool. So, five. Okay, I'll uh, try to wrap it up. Um, so let's talk a little bit about mushrooms. You guys use mushrooms a lot as a meat substitute, and I'll be honest, out of all the meat substitutes that I, I see being used i feel like mushrooms is the best hands down couldn't agree more man it is the most sustainable it's the most sustainable food in the world in my opinion so um it it you can basically grow from spore to full mushroom in a few weeks right and you can't do that with anything right i mean you look at a lot of these products including good catch i mean it takes you know, a long time to produce an isolated protein, (laughs) you know, um, and it's, you know, it has its place certainly. Um, but with mushrooms, you literally can grow a king oyster mushroom in two to three weeks, you know, and that you can shred that as a pork, you can press it as a, a, cut it up and sear it as a scallop. Um, yeah, it's, it's quite incredible. So, um, yeah, totally, totally agree. We're, we've been on the mushroom train for a while. Uh, Derek is the mushroom whisperer when it comes to a number of different techniques. So, um, you know, are you, you mentioned our YouTube channel, we have a ton of recipes up there and a ton of techniques is what we've been pushing. And so also in the wicked healthy cookbook, we have a, a bunch that we've highlighted in there as well. All right, cool. Yeah. I'll, I'll just have a couple last questions, but are there like specific mushrooms that replicate texture of meat better than other mushrooms? Cause I've been using, I used the, the, the King oyster a couple of times mm-hmm. and the portobello mm-hmm. and they both mm-hmm. Like and, and and well, I guess another question is: Did you guys come up with that pressing technique? Because that's a game yeah. changer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Changer. We have we actually tried we actually tried patenting it, which is pretty difficult. Um, but we did we started to go down that road. But then we came up with that, and then we published it in the Wicked Healthy Cookbook, and now it's being widely used, which is awesome to see. Um, but it's uh, it is a game changer because uh, you know you take maitake mushrooms, in other words, right? You can take maitake. Um, and you can basically just take the petals off, you know, you can roast it, you can grill it, you can saute it. And that's great. It's a great tasting mushroom. Same thing with King with, uh, clustered oyster mushrooms. You can take them off, you can strip them and, um, you know, they kind of peel apart. You can roast them, um, at, at a high heat for, uh, for a while, uh, just to dry them out and then add a sauce. And that's really delicious. But the pressing technique is a game changer, man. So taking these maitake mushrooms, maitake is one of my favorites, I'd say. Maitake and clustered oyster mushrooms. So you take those, you get a ripping hot pan, you place them on the pan with a little bit of oil, and you put another pan on top of it, and then you slowly press them. And as it starts pressing, it releases some water. You don't want to press it immediately because otherwise it'll crack and it'll break. You want it to soften a little bit. Then you press it, and you press it firmer. You do that on both sides, and you create a really nice... Uh, caramelization on both sides you can season it as you're going make sure that um the 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 
what people um, miss sometimes is it releases a lot of water and then people flip it and then they think they're done even though there's a lot of water in the pan you want that water to be evaporated and caramelized and so the pan is pretty much dry when you're taking them off um, and then from there after they're seared so it's the same thing with portobellas i did the same thing with portobellas we just launched this uh shawarma recipe on on youtube that does the same right. thing yeah so you basically press these and it releases a ton of water it concentrates the flavor and then you take them off you can eat them as is which is great chop them up put them on whatever um but then you can slather them any kind of sauce and then throw them on the grill or roast them with the sauce and it is total game changer like you said so and i i think Going back to my favorite mushroom, I would say oyster clusters or maitake because you get that sort of layering and that marbling of of different, you know, sort of uh, proteins that you would if you're having like a steak or chicken or things like that. Um, and so you can actually get that uh, that um, those long strands of proteins and that, that, you know, and so when mushrooms are pressed, you're condensing those fibers. Um, so you can actually... Um, you know, slice it with a steak knife and it's, it's really, really nice. So, um, I would say my Takis pressed lathered with the barbecue sauce on the grill are my favorite go-to. So, yeah, guys, I'm not even exaggerating. If you go to their YouTube channel, you'll see how they do it. And I tried it. It's, it's a, it's a complete game changer versus just having a mushroom grilled on the pan. It just, it, it I only put salt and pepper and I pressed it like how you guys do on the thing, and it's it was just so flavorful, so good, so, so much, good. right? Yeah. Well, you, well, you're pressing the water, out, and that water is slightly bitter, and, that, and it's sort of that much with with portobellas that the water content in portobellas is almost a little musty. So that's what people don't like about mushrooms; they taste mm -hmm. that sort of mustiness, right? And so you're pressing it out, and you're condensing the fibers, but you're also releasing all the liquid, and you're caramelizing that liquid, whatever sugars are in there, um, and it's just concentrating. It was really really quite nice so um and then also you can bread them you know if you're doing like a chicken fried steak or um you're doing like a, a fried chicken you basically you can you can dredge them bread them fry them and oh my gosh <laughs> that was so good I, I believe there's a new one that just came out on that we just posted on youtube that's a chicken fried steak so that we just put up there the other day so i'll, I'll have to try that <laughs> um all right man i know i know you got to go i don't want to take up too much uh too much of your time but i just want to thank you for coming on the podcast uh, you're awesome. Your companies are awesome. Your channel's awesome. So keep doing what you're doing. Uh, you know, I love it. I appreciate you so much, man, for having me. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll chat again soon. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Where can people find you on the internet? Um, Instagram at wicked healthy or on uh, YouTube, wicked healthy or Facebook, wicked healthy. Um, same thing with, uh, our website, ton of resources, ton of blogs, ton of videos, all of our recipes up there at wickedhealthyfood.com. Awesome. And I'll link everything in the show notes. It'll make it easy for people to find. Right Thanks on. again, man. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you, bro. Take care.